0: Don't talk too much. Just talk a little bit. You don't eat much. You don't talk much. <laughs> I'm just listening.
1: This is the Just Listening podcast with pizza artist Eric John. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show today. This is Just Listening. I am Eric John. And before we get into it, let me tell you about my friend John Scambato over at Yacht Club Soda. I've been talking about Yacht Club Soda for a little while now. It's been about two months. And um, let me tell you, I've been enjoying it the entire time right here in my studio. I rarely go without one. It's so it's so fantastic. Um, and there's so many different flavors to choose from that you'll never really get bored with it. There's blue raspberry, lemon lime, orange cream. You've got your sort of your more normal flavors like root beer and cola and cream and stuff like that, but they've got some wild ones. Uh, I think they've got a a roadie red, which is sort of like a cherry flavor. They've got a um, red berry rebellion, which is a sort of a special flavor. They have all kinds of seasonal flavors they do. It's fantastic. It's the best soda you'll ever have. They've been doing it for about 100 years, and uh, it's Rhode Island's official soda. And you don't have to live in Rhode Island to enjoy it anymore. You can go to YachtClubSoda.com and order this amazing drink yourself. Uh, go mix and match. Pick whatever flavors you want. And John will ship it right to you as long as you live uh, with it the United States. Uh, they're not doing international just yet. But uh, until that happens, if you live in the United States, go to YachtClubSoda.com and order some soda today. Okay, so today on the show, um, I'm going to... Old friend of mine, uh, Marcus Ritchie, who is an amazing filmmaker. Um, Marcus actually flew out here um, last year and filmed me making the biggest work of pizza art ever made anywhere in the world. Um, made a really fun, awesome documentary about that experience and also just about me and uh, my life and my family history and uh, you know the history of the bakery and the pizza art and all that stuff. He did such an amazing job, um, and uh, it was really great to reconnect with him as well. Uh, we went to school together for a really long time, um, and uh, you know, it's it's amazing how you fall right back into that rhythm. So, um, really excited to invite him on the show today to talk a little bit about what he's doing, uh, some of the other projects he's working on, uh, as well as uh, the Art of Pizza movie, which you can see on YouTube for free. Uh, if you go to YouTube, just uh, just type in the Art of Pizza, and you'll find it um marcus welcome to the show thank you sir oh man it's good to talk to you um so um for anyone who's been listening to the podcast uh that music that you hear at the beginning that's actually (laughs) marcus marcus's own composition improvisation i'm not sure exactly how he did it but um that is marcus playing various instruments uh it was actually the originally the music for the uh trailer for Uh, the movie that Marcus made about me and my art and stuff called the art of pizza. Um, And um, so I'm psyched that you are coming on to talk about it. We can talk about the movie. Um, And I also want to hear about all your other projects and just, I want to hear more about like what you've been up to Um, uh, just for, for everyone listening, Marcus and I actually went to school together for 15 years, I think
0: something yes, like that
1: um, from when we were about three or four years old until 18. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, had kind of lost touch for a long time. And then we really, you know, we reconnected over this, over this movie. And it's been really fun, man. Like just getting to talk to you again and like, and, and shoot the, shoot the shits as, as it, as it, as it were. Um, Absolutely. So um, I guess, one thing I've wondered is, is, you know, knowing, just knowing you growing up, you know, you were always very involved in theater. Um, you've always been an amazing musician. Um, but I, I never really knew you were that interested in film. Um, did you, is that something that you got more into in college? Um, or, or is it something maybe I just missed?
0: Well, uh, Thanks Thanks for having me, first off, Eric. Uh, nice to talk to you, nice to be here. Um, yeah, you know, the thing about film was I didn't even really, you know, I think it wasn't on my radar. I was so, um, you know, I think I was so focused. We, you know, just to give more backstory about Eric and my background, we went to a really small independent school in Providence. And I think, you know, I was so focused on that like liberal arts trajectory um, and having like a quote unquote sensible uh, major that I didn't even really think that filmmaking was something that I could do or that I knew I wanted to do. As you said, I did. I, I knew that I liked doing theater. I liked playing music. I was like kind of immersed in the arts, but I majored in English in college, uh, thinking that maybe I was going to go to law school because um, you, you talk about a similar thing in the movie, actually, when I was asking you about your background. Like I, I thought <laughs> that, you know, I could parlay that. But then I realized that the reason I like doing mock trial is because it was theater essentially. And I was just performing. <laughs> so, Oh, that's uh, really interesting. You know? Yeah. Like I, 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 I don't know if you remember, but the team, my team uh, that I was on with some friends that we, some mutual friends, we went to national, the national championship, my senior year uh, for mock trial, we went to Minnesota uh, and did like some, some trials in St. Paul. It was really cool. Um, but yeah, I, through that, I, I got some accolades for playing this like you know, like recovering alcoholic deckhand. <laughs> the the case was set in like the nineteen seventies, and I was kind of this like shifty deckhand who maybe wasn't a reliable source. And I I won like some kind of performance award for that. And then I was like, oh, this is this is just theater. I'm just like kind of improvising based on an outline. The thing with filmmaking, um, yeah, I studied English in college, and then I moved to New York. I, you know, I played music. I was I was very kind of just on the periphery of like a lot of different creative pursuits. I moved to New York um right before the housing market collapsed in 08. And I had this like kind of weird freelance job where I was working for this um startup website uh, doing, you know, creative adjacent work, but then uh, once the, when, when the economy collapsed and it was very tenuous, I started I, I you know, everything sort of was up in the air and I just sort of uh, started casting a wide net in terms of like you know what am I going to do next? Like, what's what's the next move I have? Like, I you know I was pretty fresh out of school, so I had little to no qualifications. So I ended up getting a Craigslist internship um, that I just randomly landed. It was very much like a right place at the right time thing. And and from that, I started traveling with this one ring circus up and down the East Coast as part of a TV show. Um, that, yeah, I started as basically an unpaid intern and I kind of finagled my way into assisting one of the shooter producers on that show and became uh, that guy's sound recordist. So they taught me basically how to do, you know, I already had like a cursory understanding of, you know, XLR cables, like basic audio setups. So I learned how to boom and operate a mixer in the field and basically like apprenticed with this guy who was like a producer director type who also shot cameras. And so that's kind of how I got my foot in the door. And it was really just like a A lucky, lucky break for me that I happened to like meet really talented people who sort of gave me that foundation. And then, uh, you know, that was basically the jumping off point.
1: So this actually came up in a, in a previous episode of the podcast with not this story specifically, but, (laughs) but, um, Johnny Valella, who is a videographer for the chief videographer, um, Mm -hmm. for channel 12 news. And he talked about getting an internship with channel 12 and how, you know, it's just, it's just interesting to me um, that, you know, it's like all of the education, all the schooling, all the stuff you learn in college and, you know, preparing for the, you know, for professional life and employment. And, you know, it's it's this internship and on the job job training that, you know, it seems like really gave you the tools that you have been you know using ever since. Is that is that accurate?
0: 100%. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I'd known now kind of what, what course I, I would have gone after school, yeah, I would have majored in something definitely. Like I, I would have majored in theater or I would have, it's not to say that your college major doesn't matter for many. I'm sure it's an like incredibly important pre-professional step, but um, yeah, my, my experience was like when, when I, when I landed in with these folks and I was doing this, this circus thing, that, it was kind of like the first time I felt in my life, like, oh, I better, you know, I better just like run with this. Like, this is kind of something that is like an entree into the next thing, you know. Like I, I, I think anybody who has a uh, career in the creative arts knows, like your your career trajectory, your path can feel like extremely nonlinear at times, uh, including like and, and that can be frustrating. I think so. I, I, I feel like when you when you find inspiration, when you find those opportunities where your foot's just like a little bit in the door, you're like, you know, I better just kind of like follow this uh, to where it leads. And I very much felt like that when I, when I first got my uh, that that initial internship for sure.
1: So you started out sort of, um, learning how to operate booms and doing audio and videography and things like that. Did you, throughout this process in this internship with this one ring circus, did you, um, did it hit you right then that you wanted to make your own films?
0: Uh, yeah, you know, I think, um, kind of seeing the building blocks of how like quality documentary content was made, like long form documentary verite, you know, learning about kind of the long game with meeting, uh, you know, characters and having their story, like just kind of building up trust. Uh, it, w- it was a totally new world for me. And that was very exciting. So I pretty quickly knew that I, you know, could maybe find a place in, in this world of, of nonfiction storytelling. And so I did actually... The, the circus thing, as I said, it was, it was a six-hour miniseries that eventually aired on PBS, but we shot, I, I came on a couple months into the production, as I said, from Craigslist, but I think the, the production shot for over a year. I was on like nine or 10 months of that. Um, and then as it was wrapping up, a, a very good friend of mine, uh, a, a friend and um, frequent collaborator, my buddy Rakesh, uh, who, who lives at Milwaukee now, but we lived in New York City at the time, um, proposed doing a long form documentary where we we would go on the road with this. um, It was like a punk band made up of like Muslim American youths from like Boston and New York City. Uh, And it was a very we basically went on the road for a month with this punk band that was getting a lot of attention. This was like 2009. Uh, And so I went right into trying to make my own film. We were driving all over the country in a sedan with like two DVX 200s, which for those camera nerds out there who may be listening, it was like one of those... Cam- it was the first camera that shot, I think, 24 frames, but it was onto mini DV tapes. So we had this like uh, trunk full of mini DV tapes. We were driving like, you know, 8, 10, 12 hours a day following this band that was like, you know, we, we were in way over our heads and it took a really long time to edit that film like years but we actually we eventually did edit it but that was kind of yes so the the short answer is i did kind of get the bug for filmmaking pretty quickly once i sort of dipped my toe into that world and you know also just like growing up like making you know my sister and i who eric you know uh we used to like adapt you know i would write like private eye like fiction (laughs) stories and we would would like make the videos like in my garage you know we, we were kind of always doing really diy um stuff and And in a way, I've just kind of kept doing that and just getting slightly better at it (laughs) over the years, you know, before,
1: before I, so before I ask my next question, I just, I don't want to just leave hanging out there. The fact that you, you know, (laughs) that you answered a Craigslist ad to work at a circus. Like to me, it's like, (laughs) it's like a, a perfect storm of like, this could potentially be like the worst experience ever. But totally. then, of course, it turned out to be an amazing experience and um, in in more ways than one. Right. I mean, I, I do. I think I remember. Did Did you meet your future wife? At, so, yes. During so this an, time?
0: Another yes. Another key detail is my wife was also on the crew of that show. She was a story producer and uh, at the time and and still, you know, was was, <laughs> you know, much more senior further along in her career than I was. So uh, that was a whole other world to navigate. But yes, like the the experience, it could have been totally like you know gonzo like wacky but it really kind of set me up with a foundation for learning the art of filmmaking and also yes I met my wife uh and it was great yeah
1: isn't it isn't it kind of mind blowing that like it's like if I don't know if you had stubbed your toe earlier that day or something and like you just happened to miss that craigslist ad or like like it's like there's like literally like two human beings that wouldn't exist like like does that? cause that, that stuff ever kind of like just blow your mind? That like like a simple something that seems so simple and small in the moment, like this has all these insane sort of
0: ramifications later on. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, I I, I like firmly believe that most of the universe is based on luck and timing, and uh, you know, I like to think that these experiences, like when I when I had that kind of sense of you know, I should stick with this like that. That. So occasionally the universe will present some interesting like ripples for you. And and this one happened to be uh, a game changer. And, and thankfully I was like, you know, had the reckless abandon to just like go into it with, uh, you know, with my full focus and, and, uh, and passion.
1: Right. It's sort of like being on a conveyor belt that you can't control <laughs> and you don't know where it's going, but like when it goes by a door, like you still have to, you still have to be willing to open it and walk through it. And, you know, I've kind of taken that same approach too, just with, you know, and it took me a while to figure that out too, but like, um, and you know, it's interesting. I, I Rick Rubin, the, the record producer is, has talked about this sort of thing as well, that it's sort of like you, there is a, it's a balance between letting the universe happen to you and letting things come to you. And and also, you know, being a willful actor and, and making decisions and, and going with things. But I've, I mean, I've tried to do the same thing with, it's like, I, I don't go out of my way to seek out like opportunities that aren't sort of there naturally, but like, I, I try to like, you know, take, take things up when they present themselves to me and I try to be proactive in that sense. Um, And it's worked for me. It's worked for me as well. So it's, it's, there's something to that. Um, I I was wondering, is there something about documentary filmmaking that is particularly uh, exciting compared to other forms?
0: Um you know, I think any kind of filmmaking presents it's really it has really unique and exciting aspects and also unique challenges. Um, yeah, documentary filmmaking, I think you know, just the idea of I mean with the film that we made, it wasn't like there were any like extreme surprises, right because we you know we sort of talked about what we were gonna do and and uh, and you know, we basically did that. but i I do really like the idea of like there being, a story, or there being drama that you don't know the ending to, or that something could happen that will totally change. You know, I think every time you go, and, and you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not a seasoned uh, feature documentarian like like some other masters, but I think when you go into a project where there's like this long form expectation, you maybe have a hypothesis, or maybe you have a set of guidelines about what you think the film's going to be, or what you think the character is going to be, and I think it's really exciting when the subjects of your film you know, either challenge that or do like a, like change expectations. I, I think it's very exciting to sort of adapt and get to know people and grow with both your subject and as a filmmaker, as you go through the experience of telling a documentary story. Um, and so I had, I have had the experience, um, working on, you know, larger films that I, that I didn't direct that I was on the crew on, um, and kind of seeing how, you know, how trust is built over time, how you sort of, um, manage expectations, how you sort of react in real time in a way that doesn't, uh alienate your subject hopefully but still you know drives the film drives your ability to collect content that's going to tell the story that you want to need to tell uh, in an effective way so i i do like the you know it's it's a lot of being around real people which i really like and i think which has a lot of the aspects of, the, the things that i like doing growing up when i was like what are, you know what am i going to do with my life i think it's it's exciting to be in it. And I, that's one of the things I really like about shooting too. I, I think like shooting cameras and doing sound has, has been an entree into like worlds and industries and just different places that I otherwise would have no business being in, uh, just like some guy like schlepping gear around. But because I have this like very specific and weird skill, uh, it's, it's been so like it's ongoing education, right? You're like constantly learning about worlds that you have no idea about or like, uh, so it's it's for somebody who's curious, which I like to think of myself as a curious individual. Um, yeah, it's awesome, and, and so I think that those aspects of of nonfiction or documentary storytelling are like super exciting, and it keeps you on your toes. It's just like you never, if you're putting your whole self into it, it's never boring, which is great.
1: So you mentioned that you know you've worked on a bunch of different projects that you know you weren't necessarily the filmmaker, but you were either doing photography or audio or whatever. And I think you've had some interesting encounters with some very famous (laughs) people. Are there any in particular that were, that are sort of particularly memorable, um, encounters that you've, that you've had that stand out?
0: Oh man. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, um, one of the, in terms of like interacting with, with famous people or celebrities, I worked on a feature doc, um, that ended up airing on HBO about the performance artist Marina Abramovich. Um, serbian woman she's probably in her like 70s now but she had this huge um retrospective at the museum of modern art this was like oh man more than 10 years ago now but um she basically had a retrospective where she hired performers to like recreate some of her famous she does like durational performance art right like, so she would like stand in a doorway like with her partner like nude for six hours and the gallery people would have to like walk through that sort of thing but what she did at this performance was she sat in the atrium of the the museum and people the public could come wait in a long line and sit across from her and just like engage with her basically make eye contact with her and i actually did, i sat in the hot seat uh, at, at the museum one time when we were doing like a promo shot or something but she like locked in with me and it, w- it was extremely mesmerizing if, if if y'all haven't uh if anybody's curious the movie is called marina abramovich the artist is present and it was a super crazy experience but um she while she was doing this uh, this performance and it's retrospective at the museum, she sort of became like wrapped up in the, you know, she was just a part of the New York discourse for like the spring and summer that this was going on. And so, you know, celebrities just started coming to the museum. We, we would get, you know, we'd be filming B-roll of just people sitting and it would be like, Oh, you know, security's here because it's like Patti Smith and like Lady Gaga just walked in or like Lou Reed from the velvet underground, you know, they're RIP. Uh, but there were a lot of really cool kind of like, New York folk passing through but one of the more amusing ones that had something to do with me like just kind of tangent like just on the periphery was um I was working Marina was doing the artist was doing a uh, I think she was doing like a talk back or some kind of presentation at NYU so we were there filming it and I was in like some classroom that was like the green, the green room and I was putting a microphone on her and um you know we had worked together a lot so she was always wearing like these these tight fitting like black dresses and so I had like a um, you know, like a body pack, basically, it's just kind of like a spandex thing that wraps around her torso that I would put the microphone pack in and then just like run it through her shirt. And she was like, you know, as I said, we've done that a bunch of times. So I, was, so I had my hands like, uh, I was like on the ground, basically, I had my hands up her long dress and was I was like putting this mic pack on. And uh, James Franco walks in. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> This was like during the time when, I don't, I don't know if you remember this. this, Is like James there was a time when James Franco was getting like uh, all these yes. graduate degrees and he was like writing fiction. And for some reason, everyone like knew that he was doing that. It was during that era. And uh, so he, he walks into this classroom at NYU where I believe he was enrolled in some like master's program in like fiction oh, or something. So funny. And, I, and I have like both my hands up Marina's skirt and he's just like, hello. And she's like, oh, James, like, this is Marcus. So I like take one hand out of her dress and like shake his hand on my knees. Very surreal. He was, you know, he was like bemused by it. Uh, but yeah, that was just like a fun, the time I met James Franco, uh, just like on my knees with my hands up a lady's dress in a professional, <laughs> totally professional it's, context, but it was it, unusual. It's
1: kind of ironic that it was James Franco that, that happened to see right. you in that position.
0: <laughs> I think totally. it's
1: pretty That's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, So, and for people who don't know the, the, you know, the artist that Marcus is talking about. Um, so actually, uh, that whole exhibition and everything, um, went really, really really viral on TikTok and platforms like that because of this this sort of sub story of her, like long lost lover, um, or companion who, who she hadn't seen in forever or whatever, who showed up and, and sat down, um, sat down across from her and it was, you know, so there was like a short clip of that, that sort of went really viral. So f- people might sort of recognize it from that. Um, do you remember that portion of it? Was it the sort of like a big deal at the time or was it something yes. that kind of, it was okay.
0: Yeah. So that's Uli. He actually passed away a few years ago. Um, but yes, they were super, they were like, you know, I don't want to speak out of turn, but they, in my estimation, they were like the John and Yoko of like performance art in the, you know, late 60s and 70s. They were super like star-crossed lovers and they would do these long durational performance pieces where they would like sit at a table in a museum for like months and and they would just like shock people with their ability to commit to these performances. Um, But yes, they split up, I want to say in the 80s, they were kind of like on again, off again. They did this like really... um, really kind of theatrical they walked and met each other on the great wall of china uh and they filmed it and it was like this whole thing and i believe they were kind of already broken up but that was sort of their big grand farewell from the public eye we had actually filmed who came to new york prior to um prior to that scene at the at the moment where they reunited and he actually came up to her she had a house in like the hudson valley this really beautiful house that we, we went and shot out a few times while we were making the film and um Ulay came and stayed with her for the weekend, just like, you know, in a platonic way, they stayed in like separate rooms, but they hadn't connected in like, I don't know how many years, but it had been like, you know, decades. And so we were basically hanging out. We filmed some of it, but, um, you know, you could like sense the history between these two people, obviously, like they had so much, you know, so much love and like animosity between them, I think over the years. So yes, we, we knew that that, we didn't know that that was coming that moment that went viral, but we knew that they were kind of back in each other's orbits. And we were hoping that we could capture something, uh, public of them. Like if not reuniting, then at least, you know, sharing a moment, which, uh, you know, as you, as you mentioned that, that moment did get a lot of attention and it was really poignant. Yeah. They kind of held hands uh, across the, uh, you know, across from each other sitting in the atrium. And uh, yeah, we spent a, a good amount of time with Eli. He was in New York for a large portion of the run of her show. And we like, you know, did a sit down interview with him and, and, uh, you know, uh, obviously we were coming in late in the game, but they were both very when we filmed them, they were both very cordial and kind to each other. And you could tell that there was like love there, even if they, um, you know, even if they'd, they'd grown apart over the years.
1: So um, I want to ask you, uh, you know, so obviously we got to interact quite a bit when you came out here and we um, we did the filming for The Art of Pizza, which uh, if you're listening, it's on YouTube right now. If you just. Search for the art of pizza. It's I'm pretty sure it's the first thing that comes up. Uh, please so. go watch it and share it with your friends. Um, but uh, you know, but I, I, I'm I it's I can't help but be curious. Um, like what you know, you've done you've done all these really interesting things, and uh, you know, I think you, I think you mentioned you you filmed something with uh, Ben Folds one time, and um, you know, and you're doing these amazing performer. Like why why me and <laughs> And my cartoon pizzas, like, what, like, what was it that intrigued you? I'm really curious. Like what about it really intrigued you?
0: That's a good question. Um, well, I thought it was really cool how, well, first of all, I knew you were a good talker just from growing up with you. I knew you would be a good interview. Um, you know, and I, I, um, I was fortunate, this is like a sidebar, I'm going to get right back to that, but I, I was fortunate to see the director, Jonathan Demme speak, you know, he, he did like Silence of the Lambs um, and he also did like Stop Making Sense, the Talking Heads concert film, but he's done a bunch of documentaries too. Um, and I, I saw him speak in New York once before he died and he was making a comment about his like interviewing style. And he was like, you know, when I'm when I'm interviewing someone for a documentary, I just like hold the camera. And when they when they stop talking, I just put the camera down and I go, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then they just like keep talking, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think I, I, you know, his point was about being observational and let and le- letting the subject kind of come to you, like meeting them where they are. Um, but I, I knew like if I gave you runway to tell your story, it would be like entertaining, and I also thought it was a really, um, <laughs> I thought it was a both a cool novelty in terms of the type of art you're making. Like it does, it's it's original and unique, but you also have this like family history. Um, that's like inspiring, but it also, it's also like a nod to, you know, we grew up in Rhode Island as, as listeners of your show probably are aware. Um, and I thought that was cool too. Like I wanted to reconnect with that. I think, I think, you know, being of Rhode Island is a big part of your story. Even, even after um, you know, I made the film, people who I thought had no connection to Rhode Island or New England would be like, Oh, I've, like, I've heard of that place. Or like, I, you know, there, there's just like a very, it just felt like, you know, we talked about this while we were shooting, but your family's uh, bakery and the pizza, like for me, it's very like a visceral kind of like uh, through line to my own childhood and uh, just a part of the culture growing up like an Italian American kid in like Providence, North Providence, in like, you know, the nineties or whatever, um, that, that really spoke to me viscerally. So then when I saw what you were doing on, you know, when I, when I found your art and kind of caught up on what you'd been up to, I was like, this would be really cool. And, and for me personally, I wanted to make something, um, you know, we shot it in, but what about a year ago, right? Like early twenty twenty two. Um, yeah, so think, it was like, you know, yeah. COVID was like winding down, but it was still, it was basically coming out of COVID. I hadn't shot anything in a couple of years, like as an, you know, as a grown adult that I felt that I was proud of, that I felt was like a, you know, calling card for me as a filmmaker. And I thought that would be a really fun way. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a fun story there. So that's basically why I I pinged you about it and saw, well. you know, asked if you were interested. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm glad you did, man, because it was really fun to to do and to make. And, you know, it occurs to me that, you know, both of us, you know, growing up in Rhode Island, you know, there is something really unique about Rhode Island. And it's not just the things like that are very specific to Rhode Island, like pizza strips or (laughs) Nell's Lemonade or, you know, clam cakes or whatever. Um, But there's something about it that just it's like you can't explain it to someone else unless they also are from Rhode Island or grew up in Rhode Island. And, you know, as someone who left Rhode Island for, um, you know, for my, myself, I left for four years, um, you know, for college, and then I, I came back. Um, you've been away from Rhode Island for much longer. And I know it was nice for you to be able to come back. Um, talk, talk a little bit about being from Rhode Island and like just just how that's a part of your identity and like what it meant to you to be able to come back and sort of revisit some of your old stomping grounds and you know just give people a sense who are listening who are, are aren't from Rhode Island or who are and you know it might be interesting for people to hear that perspective.
0: Sure. Yeah, I mean I I have as you said I've been away I basically moved away from Rhode Island to go to college. I I've I've been very nomadic uh, in my adult life, as as many millennials are. But I yeah, I went to college in the Chicago area, then I lived in New York for like ten years, and I've been out in Seattle for now like six years. But you know, obviously going to Rhode Island somewhat regularly that entire time. But uh, but yeah, I I um, it's hard to explain. It felt really nice. I when I when I was shooting, I mean, we only shot over like four or five. Days. I mean, you and I spent like. For basically two days together i i shot like four days um on this on this film that we made uh you know just walking around federal hill going around providence like hitting up base as you said like the old stomping grounds it was really fun to to shoot this movie because yeah i was like in all the all the locations that had like importance to me as a, in my youth i was staying with my parents you know in their spare bedroom while i was shooting it so mm-hmm. that also like brought me back but yeah i think um you know new uh, rhode island Often gets, I think, the short end of the stick because it's literally the smallest state. It's like near Boston. We like support Boston teams, but yeah, there's not. There is this really cool pocket of like creative, smart, cool people uh, in the in the greater Providence area, and I think um, I think a lot of interesting and 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 cool stuff comes out of there. And I yeah, I wanted to just like I thought it would be really fun to do a small part to just kind of like give that some personality, give, give that some voice uh, as part of our film. So I think, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I only have one tattoo uh, on my, on my body and it's a variation on the Rhode Island state seal on my right arm. The variation is i moved the word hope from underneath anchor and to, to <laughs> on the anchor. I don't even know why I was just like, I'm going to make it my own, but I don't know. I think that <laughs> says something I haven't lived there in like 20 years, but um yeah, I'm proud. I'm proud that that, you know, that's a part of my journey. And I, and I, as I said, I love the fact that Rhode Island is is you know kind of like the the silent character in the film that's setting the stage um, because you know I I love you know we talked about this the other day but I loved when you made the pizza you're wearing like a shamrock uh, Red Sox sweatshirt <laughs> right. which is like so it's so like you know it's just right in the pocket you know that's just like what <laughs> I'm what I'm celebrating about the region you know like, so so yeah it was just really fun to like to get into that and and I hope it comes across in the film I think it does.
1: Yeah, no. The, I think one thing that I enjoy about the, the film is that it, it it has such a Rhode Island vibe to it. Like and, and again, it's something you just don't you, you don't get unless you have experienced it and like I think I came back to Rhode Island because whenever I would come back for whether it was summer break or you know, Christmas break or whatever from college, um you know, I definitely just appreciated it more. It's it's such an interesting place. I think what people don't realize who live outside of Rhode Island is that there's so many different, um, I want to say biomes isn't the right word, but like, it's such a provincial place for such a small place that like, you know, you can be in Providence, right. Which is like in the center of the state. And then you drive like 15 minutes and you're in like rural farmland or you drive another 15 minutes in another direction and you're, you know, you're in an oceanside you know, neighborhood. Um, and so it's, 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 and it's got suburbs and it's got, it's just, it's everything so jammed in together. And of course, you know, like being a Rhode Islander, like the idea of driving 20 minutes to go anywhere, um, when you're in your Rhode Island is you feel like you're going to another planet, you know, like I, I, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you've experienced this where if you'd mentioned to somebody that you, you know, you live 20 minutes away from them or whatever, it's like, man, you might as well be telling them to, you know, take a day trip. Um totally, totally. <laughs> busy, you
0: know, a, <laughs> no, absolutely. And like living in the West where everything's like so vast and far I away. I, I like that that uh dichotomy is even more i like know it when I, Yeah.
1: When I went so um when I was out in Colorado for school, I remember the first time anyone suggested that uh that we go skiing on like a weekend or whatever. And um, you know, my stupid East Coast brain is like, oh, you know, Colorado skiing, it's like an hour away. You know, and it was like, no, it was like five hours away. I was like, five hours? I was like, you guys have a good time. I'm going to go back to sleep. (laughs) I was like, like, do I need a passport? Like, what (laughs) what do I need? Of course, you know, I I adapted to it eventually. But like, it is a weird, you know, it's a weird thing to try to adjust to. Um, So I want to, so tell me a little bit about um, the movie you just made. And, and tell our listeners about it because I've seen it and it's really fun. And uh, it's called Squirreled Away. And so just tell people about the movie. What was the inspiration for this
0: movie? And just sure. give them a sense of
1: what it's about exactly.
0: <laughs> sure. Uh, okay. So Squirreled Away. So I actually shot um, two films last year. One one was The Art of Pizza. And actually a month or two before I shot that, I shot this other movie, Squirreled Away, which is a scripted uh, narrative short And basically the premise of it is it's about a um, couple that recently has moved to Seattle. They're expecting their first uh, child. And, uh, you know, the dude is a creative type of undetermined uh, specificity in the film. He's like kind of looking for work. And uh, basically the there the, the film basically starts to unravel after a squirrel die like they, they there's a intruder it's a squirrel in their bathroom cabinet that dies and basically this dude gets uh increasingly haunted and tormented by you know either the ghost of the squirrel or his idea of the ghost of the squirrel and uh, <laughs> you know it's very strange we shot it over uh, I think five or six days um, last February we shot it again this was a self, Produced like I wrote and directed it. I shot it. I also edited it. Um, I had more of a crew. Like when we made Art of Pizza, it was basically just you and me. Um, I borrowed some lights from uh, you know my cousin who lives in Rhode Island, and then my dad came and shot some behind the scenes photos while you were making the pizza. For this, I had a little bit more of a crew, but you know by Hollywood standards, it was very small. Still, we you know we had I think it was me. I had a camera assistant who was sort of sometimes operating the camera. Um, I had a sound recordist. I had a couple of production assistants you know, one who was focused on props, one who was focused on costumes. And then I, and then I had the actors, uh, we shot the entire thing in my house except for one scene, which was in a bar, which I I finagled, uh, a local bar that I really liked that was shutting down. Uh, I asked if we could film in there. They were very kind, let us shoot in there for free. They donated tons of free beer as we did the same take where a guy has to pour a beer over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, we, uh, we, we got a squirrel. We had a couple of different squirrel stand-ins, uh, and then my sister, who who uh, is a very industrious, uh, creative type herself, um, basically learned uh, visual effects <laughs> just exclusively <laughs> for this, and did a lot of really subtle but cool little. Like masking work, kind of making the squirrel come to life a little bit. We have some visual gags with like crows landing in a yard in one scene. So yeah, it's like it's like kind of a zany um horror comedy that I wanted to I think it stemmed from my anxiety. Oh, I didn't mention the best part. It's based on a true story. A squirrel actually died in my wall when I lived in New York and when we were expecting my first kid. And so I you know, I kind of tried to like lean into that and use it as like a huh. metaphor for you know staring into the abyss as you're an expectant parent and also you know moving to a new city in your 30s and like you know just the uncertainty of uh being an adult in these dystopian times
1: <laughs> i was gonna ask you if it was autobiographical in any way shape or form but you, you answered that and so yeah yeah, yeah the, it the, makes the it most... even funnier
0: yeah, the most realistic thing is that the the exterminator who's there that's portrayed in the film basically told us to just leave it in the wall because it wasn't worth the monetary or just like the logistical hassle of breaking the wall down and trying to get the corpse of the squirrel out. So uh we did let it just kind of mummify in the wall. That's that's the real catalyst that that this ghost story uh started from. <laughs>
1: it's so wild. Yeah, it's so so I suggest everyone who's listening uh go check it out um it's on youtube um just type in squirreled away and it again i think it's the one of the first things that pops up um just look for the name marcus ritchie it's on his channel um and yeah it's sort of like the shining meets pet cemetery meets uh i don't even know what else, but like it's it's yeah it's like because because it is funny there's a lot of humor in it and you know, there's not a ton of humor in either of those movies, but you know, it's sort of, there's a <laughs> psychological element to it where it's sort of like, you know, it starts messing with your head. Like there's this thing in the wall. Like it, it would be hard for me to look at my bathroom cabinet the same way, you know, like exactly. knowing like every time I go to grab a face cloth or something, I, I just, I know there's a dead squirrel in there. There's yes. something about that that is kind of terrifying. um, <laughs> And i and, and like off putting. And I think you do a really good job in the film. Of like building that tension. Um, cause it's not like, like, cause he does, you know, and that's important. Like he doesn't just freak out like immediately. Um, <laughs> and you know, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna try to give away anything, you know, for people who wanna watch it. Um, but, um, but, uh, it's really well done, dude. I really enjoyed it. And, Thank you, um, man. and, um, what, what's, what's next? What's next for you? Do you have any other like any projects that you're currently working on? Um, are you still doing uh, music with uh, the Baby Train? Like what what's going on now? And what are you doing? You know,
0: in- so uh, yeah. So what's next? So just to wrap up the scroll away conversation. Another reason why I wanted to make that is because I do make most of my living, um, you know, with nonfiction storytelling. It's not always making a film necessarily, but I am fortunate that I get to you know shoot cameras and make videos and and uh, so I, I you know I have right now I'm like a freelance kind of gun for hire, you know, I'm like a director, uh, DP kind of, uh, editor. I, I cobbled together various uh, forms of living, but in terms of creative projects that I'm, that I'm currently working on. Um, yeah, well, I'm still in the middle of a, you know, we've had a modest, but fairly, uh, ongoing festival run with the art of pizza. Um, so that just screened, um, where was it? Oh, is it was at the Massachusetts Independent Film Festival in, right. uh, in and around Worcester just last week, right? It was like a that, week or two right. ago. And it was
1: nominated um, for uh it was it nominated. Was nominated. Uh, we did,
0: we did not win best documentary, but we were nominated. I I uh everyone was very kind and I uh, my parents actually attended the screening and,
1: and I know, and yeah, it. I saw that. Uh your dad had really really nice things to say about it and said that people loved it and everything and uh Yeah, yeah. It's cool, man. So
0: so that's ongoing. We're screening um there, there's a bunch more um outstanding uh festivals out there we're, we're going to screen again in burlington vermont in july and i will be on the east coast for much of july so there's a decent chance uh if any of you listeners are in burlington vermont i may be there july 29th to screen the art of pizza uh, i probably <laughs> will beautiful. be there but um but yeah um i am i you asked about music i i'm kind of always um In the middle of a music project, I I do have a music, so I don't have a film that's imminent right now. I I am still, as I said, I'm scrolled away. Also TBD. We we have a bunch of festival uh, submissions out. Scrolled away. I'm not. I don't know if it's going to screen as much because, as you uh, might have, as you probably can tell, it's a little more esoteric of a tale. uh, Whereas (laughs) the art of pizza has like a universal appeal. So we'll see what happens with that. So I'm hopefully screening those over this year. Um, and then yeah, I'm working on a project. I have like a, a very fun project that I did um, when my older son Julius was like learning how to talk, and I think it kind of coincided with some of like before COVID started, and then during a bunch of 2020, I was just recording these like audio snippets of him like saying weird stuff at the breakfast table, or like just little little things here and there. And I've actually like been compiling those into. Like musical, so, some just kind of musical motifs and some like more full-blown pop songs. And so we have an album, uh, we being like Julius and my, it's basically me and my kids, my kids supplying vocals and then me just like tinkering in the studio. So, so I, awesome. I have what's what's looking like a full-blown album <laughs> coming, coming soon. I don't know how like, you know, much I'm going to promote that <laughs> or, or whatever. Like, I don't think I'm going to do like a tour of these songs necessarily, but... Um, Are they kind of like, like a, kids' songs? You know, they're some of them are, it's hard to explain. Like um, some of them are, they are just them saying something funny and I'll just like build it into a beat or like a loop. Uh, and so they kind of argue. I don't it know, man. And then-
1: you could have the next baby shark on your hands, man. I would, I would, uh, you know, I, I would be putting that, shit on YouTube and <laughs> seeing I mean, you yeah. like a million views on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I am, I, that's kind of like my <laughs> next, uh, personal project. I, I'm, I'm fairly busy at the moment, thankfully, like shooting stuff for, for my work. I'm, I'm doing work and for the, the county King County, the county that Seattle's in. And, and I do some, you know, I, I do various like, uh, kind of part-time and freelance work, uh, as a shooter. So I've been busy, but that's, that's kind of my like relaxing and, um, you know, that's, that's probably the next thing in the pipeline from the, from the disturbed mind that brought you squirreled away.
1: (laughs) That's awesome, dude. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. It's always good to talk to you and um, for everyone listening, go check out Marcus's stuff. Um, I know, I know you can check out um, all of his film work or most of it on, uh, on his YouTube channel, just search Marcus Ritchie. um, And you'll find it. Is there anywhere else, Marcus, where people can find your stuff, uh, your music or anything like that?
0: I mean, you get like you can go to my my site, which is just MarcusRicci.com and it has like links to all. Like it's got music, it's got videos. I do need to like update it so it's not to the minute, but you get a good sense over there.
1: <laughs> is there any music from Tight Only Knows on the website?
0: You know, there's not, but I actually have been meaning to delve into that world because my band from college also it was just like the fifteenth anniversary of our like one full length album. So I've right. been meaning to like release all that music on like you know the the internet like the yeah that would be services. cool services so
1: that would yeah, be cool so if, for any, for people listening ted only knows was a band that marcus was in when we were in school i mean middle school and high school yep. um <laughs> that were and they were really good and you guys played gigs and stuff and uh you know you were kind of like the, the the school band from you know for all intents and purposes um and uh, there is a cd that was made called sealed for your protection and it's oh, yeah. uh it's yeah. there i you know i bet you anything i bet you there's a copy of it at my parents house in there with their cds wherever those are i bet you it's there um i'm gonna go dig it out and i'm gonna i'm gonna listen to some 10 only knows uh <laughs> <laughs> this weekend i think uh, that'll be a, some, some good nostalgia uh marcus thanks again man this is always fun and um I'll, I'll talk to you soon
0: thank you man thanks for having me great to talk to you
1: this is the just listening podcast
0: i gotta go Go where? I mean, we just got it. I got that thing. I gotta go.
1: With pizza artist Eric John.
0: Alright, Wait a couple of minutes. We'll all leave together. Okay? This way you don't go out like a bunch of hobos staggering out one at a time.
1: Please like, share, and subscribe.